my name is Jonathan Miller. I'm a dermatologist and I'm a Mohs surgeon in Chattanooga, Tennessee. College Dell, Tennessee is my hometown and that's where I'm presenting from tonight. And uh, I wish very much I could be there in person, but, um, and, and I had every intention to, but unfortunately my, my family and I came down with um, what we think was RSV earlier this week and uh, didn't wanna share that with everybody out there. Um, so fortunately my wife and four kids are doing uh, better, although not fully 100%. So, um, but I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to still do this presentation tonight and I'm thankful for uh, this technology. Uh, tonight, I'm going to be presenting on um, a topic that basically encompasses a little bit of my story, as well as uh, the starting of a private practice that I did over the past year. And uh, before we get started, uh, I'm just going to have a word of prayer, and uh, I'll share my screen here so you can see uh, my title page. So if you'll just bow your heads, we'll go ahead and get started with prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for uh, the upcoming Sabbath. And uh, we're really privileged to be able to connect even a, uh, amid the miles uh, apart. And uh, we are also uh, thankful to be serving such an amazing God. And thank you that you've given us a, a calling on our hearts to treat people with illness, not only of the body, but also of the, of the soul. And may we be able to uh, encourage one another tonight. And I pray that your spirit will uh, be with the listeners and with me as I present. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Well, the title of my presentation is All In, Lessons Learned from Medical Training and Starting a Private Dermatology Practice in a Pandemic. And uh, this is, uh, Uderm is the name of my uh, practice. And uh, that logo represents uh, what is most important to us, which is the patient and the employee, those two individuals facing each other in the U. And uh, so um, I have... Uh, objectives here per CME requirements. Uh, basically, I'm going to describe what uh, my experience was in starting a practice, as well as the importance of uh, practical spirituality in private practice, uh, discuss different ways of incorporating prayer into a busy medical practice and encourage you all and challenge you in your faith. I don't have any relevant disclosures. And this first slide just demonstrates a, a collage of photos from my upbringing. Uh, I was fortunate to be brought up in a, a, a God-fearing home, and um, I, I was born to uh, two parents who were multi-generation Adventists. I feel like I, I, I really uh, um, have a good understanding of Adventist culture and heritage. In fact, my wife over the past couple weeks, um, here, I'm going to stop screen share for a minute. I'll be toggling back and forth. Uh, my wife over the past couple weeks found a book, and it was called Happy Home Farms, and she told me, hey, your relative wrote this. And sure enough, it was like a great uncle who wrote this book and described his experience in North Dakota on a farm. And so I found stuff out about my uh, ancestors that I didn't know existed. And it was very fascinating. Uh, and to see that um, uh, God has been uh, with my family and I've been very fortunate. And uh, so I have a, a lot of things to be grateful for. But even growing up, I, I took God and a relationship with God for granted. I don't feel that I actually knew him personally until I would say late high school or college. Uh, I went through all the Adventist schools and I had a great Adventist education, but um, uh, a lot of that time I just was being spoon fed what I, uh, uh, my own religion. And, and I didn't actually pursue God personally on my own until I was a little older. And it really wasn't until college and the academic struggles that I encountered that 
drew me closer to the Lord. And so it went from early on in high school, you know, praying to the God, more of a, a monologue of, uh, um, you know, uh, asking for help in, in a traditional prayer to more of a dialogue with journaling. And I would actually journal and, uh, and I would, and I would write Bible verses in response. And, um, it was really a, uh, very growing time for me in college, uh, to see God's faithfulness through academic challenges. And, uh, so I'm going to toggle back here and, uh, share the screen again. And so the first hurdle for me, uh, was, uh, in terms of medicine was the MCAT and, uh, for any of you who are in medical school currently in the audience or who are physicians, you know what the MCAT is like. And for me, I was very intimidated by this test. And I, um, I did okay in college, uh, but to me, this standardized test was uh, a bit of a hurdle. And I remember along the way, because I did a nursing degree in college because I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do medicine. And in fact, along the way, I, I kind of changed my mind and actually started heading toward nursing anesthesia and worked in the ICU for a couple of years and, and then decided to do uh, medicine. And so when I was studying for the MCAT, I found it uh, quite daunting. And I studied for three to four months. And I took this exam and I was really excited uh, and, and I just did terrible. I did, I did worse on the real exam than I had done on my first practice test before I started studying. It was very discouraging. And I remember I was praying to God and I said, Lord, why would you have me do this, go down this route only to lead me to failure? And, uh, and this was a, in my journaling time in the morning with him. And I remember writing the response from him. And he was like, listen, if you're going to go down the road, road of medicine, you must learn the value of perseverance and of diligence. And, uh, and so I went back to the drawing board, studied for another three to four months. My weakest area was reading because as a child, I didn't like reading. In fact, I told my mother um, I didn't need to learn how to read uh, because my goal was to be a professional bass fisherman when I was a child. And of course, they don't need to learn how to read. So I thought, well, I, I shouldn't learn how to read. And um, she let me get away with it for two years. But uh, uh, then I decided reading was a, a valuable skill here in our culture. And I went to school, learned how to read. But as the MCAT showed, it, it, uh, it caught up with me and I didn't do so well in the test. But God is good. And I, and I studied for uh, another three to four months. And I retook the test and I scored considerably better. Uh, this time, at least it was an average score for matriculation. And uh, I interviewed at uh, a few schools and uh, I, was, uh, I was privileged to, to get accepted um, to uh, several schools, but the one that I ended up going to was called East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee. There's two state schools in, in my home state of Tennessee, and, and uh, so I went to the one in Northeast Tennessee, and uh, um, I had a wonderful opportunity during a gap year uh, um, in the Philippines. Uh, this year really was a uh, re-anchoring, a moral re-anchoring for me because it helped me learn the value of, of simplicity and how it's, it's really important um, to not miss opportunities to stop and just to listen to God. And uh, I remember there were times when I would sit on the clinic porch, uh, which uh, you had seen previously in that um, picture, uh, looking out at the, at the jungle mountains and being a little bit uh, fidgety inside and thinking, man, I'm bored. I wish I was doing more. And over time of that year being there, I, I realized how valuable actually sitting uh, and actually just looking out and enjoying the scenery was because I tend to be a person that I, I fill my time and I try and 
be productive, but there's a lot of value in, in the stillness. And, and in that stillness, I, I learned to more uh, clearly hear God's voice. And it was, a, it was a good time for my wife and I. And so we had also solidified my, uh, my interest in becoming a physician because I recognized how much I enjoyed the physician role uh, because being um, in that provider role was very different from what I had experienced as a nurse uh, in the hospital. And uh, so after, uh, I, uh, after I was in the Philippines, uh, we went to uh, uh, medical school. We, as in me and my wife supported me and she worked as a nurse. And um, so went to Aquilin. And I remember starting and I was very nervous the first day of school, as you can imagine, uh, anyone would be on their first day of school. And uh, we studied anatomy in, a, in an intensive course for the first few months. And we had our first exam a few weeks in. I remember I studied uh, the best I could for that exam. And uh, I studied and studied and uh, I, I ended up getting a B and I was, I was, it was an average score. And I was very thankful for that. In fact, I thought, well, here I'm with a bunch of really smart people. I know I, I struggled to get into medical school. So uh, I just, I, I thank you, Lord, that I, I was able to, uh, to be in the middle of the pack. And uh, as I studied, God gave me uh, endurance and he gave me passion and, um, and the Sabbath really developed it even more uh, and special uh, meaning to me because for those six days, I studied very intensely and that, that 24 hour period of Sabbath was a guilt-free rest time, uh, which really is, is, uh, was a gift because I had a lot of my classmates, they weren't, they didn't feel like they could rest because if they did not study. They always felt someone else was studying and they needed to try to catch up. So there was this kind of constant guilt, even if they weren't studying, but the Sabbath time was that, that guilt-free time that I really cherished. And so, uh, um, as I progressed in my education in medical school, my scores got better and better. And, um, I remember I set a, a, a certain goal for myself on step one, which is the first, uh, licensing exam uh, halfway through medical school. It's kind of the the big hurdle, if you will. And it has a lot of weight on, on kind of what residency uh, um, specialties you'd be competitive for. And I, and I set a high bar for myself and just praying, God, please help me to perform better on this standardized test than I had uh, on the MCAT. And day by day, I did better and better in um, medical school. And, and then the, the big day came, I took the test and, um, and you know, a few weeks later, I got the results and I scored better than I had uh, set out as a goal for. Now, I remember just praising God saying, Lord, thank you. This has opened up a lot of opportunities. Um, and uh, from, this, from the beginning in medical school, I remember I was studying. I'll share my screen here so you can see this. Uh, I was studying with this uh, picture uh, on my table, on my, on my study desk. Uh, because this this is kind of what I really was um, very passionate about. I loved the OR, even as a nurse. I'd worked in the OR for a while um, in, in anesthesia, and and to me, working with my hands was something that I really wanted to do. And and so this picture kind of encapsulated the identity that I wanted. And uh, and in fact, I, I took it so seriously, I even pasted a picture of my face on that surgeon <laughs> to give me some motivation. And I remember. Um, after I got done with step one, I, I, uh, I went back and, and, and was starting to do the clinical rotations. And I, I was praying about what to do because I, I really did excel in, in the surgical disciplines and I loved it. Um, in fact, I, I won some awards in, in, uh, for our, our class in the, in the surgery uh, clerkship. 
and I thought, uh, you know, this is what I'm designed to do. Uh, but I had some, um, I guess, some some hangups around how it would affect affect my my wife and future children, and uh, uh, just knowing how my wife's love language is time. And so I really prayed a lot about what to do, and um, uh, nothing really compared with that in terms of what I wanted. And it was that identity that was really calling me. And uh, I remember it was uh, in the middle of my third year around Christmas time, and I had an opportunity to uh, do an elective. And so I chose dermatology thinking, hey, this is great. It's going to be an easy elective during the holidays. And, uh, um, you know, actually, I, I enjoyed it. And I thought, well, of, of a non-surgical discipline, this would be a decent fit. I said, but it's still not really what I want to do. And um, I remember uh, talking with my wife about it a lot. What, what should I do? And uh, I was, I was, I was really um, pulled or, or kind of drawn towards dermatology. Uh, and I didn't know exactly why, but I knew God was pulling at my heart. And so um, I said, Lord, will you please help me to understand what decision I should make at this time? Because, you know, this is an important decision that will have uh, big ramifications on uh, what my wife and I and our life will look like for the rest of my career. And uh, so so God gave me, uh, I'll, I'll share this uh, screen again so that you can see. So give me kind of a new picture. And uh, I know many of you have heard of Nathan Green and enjoy his paintings. And he gave me another Nathan Green painting. And I love this painting because uh, this is the one that has replaced uh, the surgeon painting on my, on my desk um, because it has two meanings to me. I see the young boy uh, like myself, you know, I'm, I'm broken and I'm now healed by Christ and he has me. And, uh, and then the other meaning that it has is uh, to me that Christ is the healer. So that boy also represents my patients that he is doing the healing uh, and ultimately, the focus is on heaven and these eternal rewards uh, that God has placed um, on our heart. And, and so to me, that was, uh, that was a really impactful thing that God did for me that helped give me the knowledge that I needed or, or the nudge that I needed to make that decision. And so I remember saying, okay, Lord, I don't fully understand, you know, still my heart, but I give this to you. And it was kind of like um, the story of... Uh, um, Abraham and Isaac, you know, Isaac was the promised one of, uh, for Abraham. And, and God asked uh, Abraham to sacrifice his son because he wanted to know where Abraham's heart was. And, and it was kind of like that, if you would uh, compare it in such a way that surgery was kind of like my Isaac. And when I gave it to God, it was like um, I had a lot of peace. I knew that I made the right decision, even though I didn't fully understand. And, and so uh, I, I prayed about it. Guys, like, Lord, you know how um, dermatology is quite competitive and I don't know how I'll be able to get in. I, I was blessed with a, a good step one score, but I thought I'm in a, I'm in a small school, uh, a state school. Lord, I don't know if this is something that uh, I would be competitive for. And so I started praying and asking God, well, help me lead, lead me in this process and help me to uh, uh, get to where you want me to be and where, where you know I need to be and where I would also be a blessing to others. And so uh, I started to um, send out applications. And I, I remember I prayed for eight to 10 interviews. I said, Lord, help me get to eight to 10 interviews. That would give me about a 90% based on statistics, about a 90% success uh, rate. And um, it was really amazing that uh, God, he, he enabled me to have 28 interviews. Uh, and so I was able to uh, interview all over the country 
And I was able to see um, uh, a lot of different programs, uh, how different training pro programs operated. And, and I remember one of them was Mayo Clinic. And uh, I was so excited uh, to, to train or to, to go and interview there. And uh, so let me, let me go back here and share my screen. I remember interviewing there. This is the morning sunrise and the day of the interview. And um, it, uh, it was really special. I remember looking out and thinking, wow, this is, this is a great place. The interview went well. It was the hardest interview I had. And I remember thinking, Lord, this would be uh, a tremendous place to train. It has everything that I'm looking for. And, um, but again, I, I, I thought just like I thought about dermatology from before, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I would have what it takes to, to match here. This is a pretty impressive place. And so, uh, you know, time went on and, and um, I remember, uh, actually, I wanted to say this, uh, on the flight home from Rochester, Minnesota, I remember looking down at the, uh, at the, at the lights of Rochester as I was uh, leaving and praying and just thanking God for the opportunity. And I had this impression that I was going to train there. Uh, and I remember thinking about that and, and, and saying to God, why would you say that to me and, and get up, you know, false hopes, so to speak. And this sent me on a study of the role of promises, because I kind of took it as a promise. When God says something in his word, it's a promise. Well, what is the purpose of a promise? Well, it's to give us um, an information on what is God says he's going to do. And that way, when he, he does it, when it's fulfilled, it, it fills us with um, this love and trust for him. Because a, a relationship without trust uh, is not a relationship. And so, um, and so when, when I did match at, uh, at Mayo later that uh, spring, um, it, just, it just deepened my faith uh, in God and, and um, his trustworthiness. Uh, and uh, it looks like um, from my screen, I can't see you all, but I'm assuming you can still see me. Uh, Brian, just text me and let me know if, uh, if you have any trouble with audio or visual on your end. Um, but I don't see uh, the audience anymore. I'm going to go to the next slide here. So after I finished um, medical school, uh, my wife and I uh, moved back to Chattanooga, Tennessee. We had our first daughter um, at the end of my fourth year. And uh, we, uh, I did my internship in a general uh, medicine and surgical um, transitional year at Erlanger, which is the academic center in Chattanooga. And uh, I remember this is really where I encountered some really neat experiences with patients uh, and spirituality. Because as a medical student, I didn't feel that um, I could do it. Okay, thank you. I didn't feel like I could do it uh, um, effectively or that as a medical student, I didn't feel like uh, in, a, in a public school that it was appropriate, although I still did look for opportunities. I remember even in one particular instance, I was in a, um, uh, a psychiatrist and a patient um, uh, encounter. Uh, they were doing a regular treatment session and this patient with depression sitting there just, just in agony saying, something's just missing from my life. And the psychiatrist is just not even looking at the patient and just documenting and typing on the computer. And inside this just urge of like, you've got to say something like he's missing something that's so easy to fill. Like, uh, and I remember uh, that urge was so strong to say something, but I, I, I suppressed it. And uh, because I, I was concerned about, well, what would my professor think? I'm just a medical student. 
Uh, and so I'll come back to this concept later when I talk about practical spirituality, but um, that's what I did at that time. But when I was a resident, I was able to develop really uh, good relationships with my patient in the hospital because uh, as an intern, I was the team lead for multiple patients. I remember some of them, you know, they'd be there for days, weeks, and I would see them day and day after day. And uh, there was this one particular man big, strong black man who had just been diagnosed with congestive heart failure. And uh, he was just distraught over this. And I got to know him over several days. And I remember one morning I came to him and he said, doctor, I'm, I just, are you sure I have congestive heart failure? I've always been so healthy and, and I'm just really discouraged about this. And, and I don't know what to do. And I, and I remember uh, asking questions that kind of helped me gauge his, his level of um, spiritual interests. And I said things like, well, um, how have you dealt with stress in the past? You know, what are your coping mechanisms? Uh, what kind of support system do you have? Those were questions that kind of would help me understand where he was at. And uh, at the appropriate time, I, I just asked him, I said, well, sir, would you, would you be open to me praying with you? I think that might help. And he, he just stopped and his eyes got big and he looked at me and said, you do that for me? And I said, absolutely. And so I remember uh, he was laying in his hospital bed and I put my arm on his shoulder and I prayed over him, just a simple prayer. I don't even remember uh, saying anything profound, but when I said, amen, he was sobbing and, uh, and he looked up at me and he said, doc, that was the most valuable thing any physician has ever done for me. Uh, and I remember that was one of the first really um, uh, impactful encounters that I had uh, with a patient um, with prayer. And you could have seen me floating out of the room. I was so happy. And I, like, I felt like I was on cloud nine. I mean, nothing could get me down after that because I was like, that was awesome. I mean, I, I prescribe medications all the time. We have all these fancy complex uh, you know, procedures to help patients get well, but I've never seen a patient react instantly with such a change of heart and, and, and have it uh, such a meaningful impact in their life. And so I, I knew that prayer was um, very valuable. I mean, I knew it was valuable to me. But I had not really seen or experienced it in person with a patient before. And so from then on, I started to look out for opportunities to pray with patients. But in my mind, I really wanted to, to kind of get a relationship with them, which was easy for me to do in the hospital. And I had several really great opportunities as an intern to do that. Um, and then after that, uh, I... Um, went to Mayo, and this is where my uh, three-year um, training in dermatology started at, uh, at Mayo, and I, I experienced a, a little bit different of uh, um, an environment there, although I was primarily in the outpatient. You know, academia is not a, um, a Christian welcoming place in general, uh, no matter where you're at, uh, whether you're at a, an Ivy League school or a state school. Um, it's just not a welcoming environment to, to, um, to Christian faith. Uh, now, it is becoming more accepted in terms of the concept of spirituality, mindfulness, because they can't ignore the value of it, but they try to neuter it down by removing God and, and the Bible. And so I, uh, uh, I remember that um, I, I, I was reading a book by a well-known author. I won't say who it was, but it was, it was a book about um, um, just uh, faith in general. And there was a, a general surgery resident who had gotten kicked out of a program for praying with patients. And this resident wrote this author and said, hey, can you please help me? And the author said, well, um, 
I can't because you were um, imposing your power on the patient by praying with them. Uh, and, and so I, I took that seriously. And I thought, you know, that's actually a good point. I, I don't want to impose my religion and, and, and what I think about prayer on patients. And so I was much more reserved uh, at Mayo to pray with people. And also a lot of the patients that I had were um, not mine. They were the consultant or attending patients. And I, I did have a continuity clinic, but most of the patients that I were seeing there because of the referral tertiary referral center that it was, I would see once, maybe twice, and that was it. And so my continuity and relationship building was really uh, limited. And so I only prayed like literally probably less than five times over those three years with patients. I remember really missing that. Um, but I did have some impactful opportunities uh, with some of my uh, co-residents. And, uh, and so over, over the time uh, when I was at May, I, I learned everything I needed to. And, uh, and I was uh, privileged to um, see that Mohs surgery, which is a subspecialty dermatology um, was really uh, it encapsulated all of my uh, my passions, uh, which was um, histopathology, using the microscope, uh, using your hands by uh, operating and extirpating tumors, as well as the uh, reconstruction, which for me doing uh, plastics and a lot of the other rotations in med school, I enjoyed the reconstructive aspect of surgery. And so this kind of allowed me to do all of what I enjoyed to do. Um, and it was all an outpatient procedure. And so I remember uh, applying for fellowship. And uh, if you think getting into dermatology uh, is difficult, getting into Mohs fellowship is like uh, even more difficult like this, the um, match rates like 50 or 60%, depending on which year you apply. Um, and there's, uh, you know, um, in the whole country, there's about 70 slots, um, but usually about 30 or more of those per year already uh, dealt out to um, uh, in-house residents, if you will. So there's maybe only about 40 open slots per year. And so I remember, uh, again, just praying and asking God to, to help me find a good place. Um, I was able to match at a program in uh, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and I'll, show, I'll share my screen again. Uh, and I was really pumped about this place because um, to me, it had everything I love. Um, so these airplanes that you see here on the screen are, uh, some of the um, uh, vehicles that we used to get to work. <laughs> uh, so when I was in high school, I got my pilot's license and I have a real passion for aviation. And, um, and so when I interviewed there and I learned that uh, some of their satellite clinics, they would actually use airplanes to fly to, I was ecstatic and I thought, well, this is really good. And then on top of that, uh, the, the, um, the head surgeon and the owner of the practice was a, uh, uh, a Christian, and he uh, was very, um, uh, uh, he demonstrated that in, in he, how he ran his practice in terms of, uh, he had chaplains, uh, they often had prayer at functions, um, there were Bible verses on the wall, and I, I remember thinking, I mean, I, this is perfect, it's got aviation, surgery, it's closer to home, and uh, I can learn how to incorporate spirituality in my surgical practice. And, 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 the, uh, and I really connected with the fellowship director uh, initially. And the goal was for me to just stay on as staff and, and it would be a, a great fit. Uh, but as I was there, it was, um, unfortunately, it was uh, uh, disappointing to me to see how um, uh, what one sees uh, uh, in a one day experience is not what one may experience over a year. And to see how um, faith uh, uh, and how 
it's incorporated incorrectly can actually be damaging to a person's reputation as well as to uh, the name of our God and Savior. Because uh, if if we take his name and um, we misrepresent him, it's worse than not taking his name at all. And so uh, I decided I didn't uh, want to stay. Uh, and so I went on to um, think about what, what do I do? Because this is where I was planning to, to start my practice uh, with, with uh, my fellowship director. And uh, I was, it was a, uh, a long drive coming back from Virginia after Thanksgiving. I was talking with my dad in the car and I was uh, looking at different options in Chattanooga. Um, and there were several um, uh, practices that were recruiting me. And, and to me, it made the most sense to just go into an already established practice, except the practices that uh, were recruiting me. I, I, I just knew that there was a number of things that um, I didn't want to align with. And so my dad, he, he said, son, I know you. In 10 years, you're going to want to own your own practice. I think you should just start out of the gate that way. And I remember saying, no, no, this was never in my plan. I said, uh, maybe you know, 10, 20 years down the road, I would do that. But I don't want that kind of administrative and financial burden and headache, especially right out, you know, right out of the gate. Um, uh, but I said, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. And I'll pray about it. And over the next few days, I really prayed about it. And, and, and God used my dad um, to really speak to me and help call out some things in me uh, to know that um, to follow Christ means you got to do things that are challenging. You got to do things that are uncomfortable. It's not about pursuing comfort. Uh, in fact, God, when he, um, works on our character. It's usually in the times when we're uncomfortable. And so I knew that uh, this was an area that I felt God was calling me. And so I said, Lord, you're going to have to provide for this for sure, because I don't know anything about business. I don't know how, you know, even the first thing to get started. And so um, he led me to the right person to get started. I, I was able to find a, a lady with 25 years of practice management experience, and she had started multiple practices. And amazingly, she was in the, you know, kind of the, uh, uh, the middle of her career, and, and she decided to join me. And so um, in January of 2020, I decided to start my own practice. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a little uh, intimidating because I was still in the middle of my fellowship and it was very rigorous hours. And I, I, um, <laughs> I remember just praying and saying, God, uh, just guide me, help me to know what to do next. And each day, he would. He just helped me to know just enough for, for, for the next step. And that's usually the way he operates. He'll just give you enough light for the next step. And um, as many of you know, uh, March of 2020, uh, the world kind of turned upside down. And I had already made a decision and the commitment to start the practice. And I was in too deep to turn back. And, uh, and that's right where God wanted me because, you know, I probably would have turned back. Uh, but I ended up having to uh, continue to move forward. And I just trusted God that he would provide. And um, and uh, starting a practice is, um, is not uh, the easiest of things. Uh, I'm going to share my screen here again, just a moment, and uh, go to the next slide. This is, uh, this is where um, uh, my little practice started a year ago. And uh, I remember, uh, this is my wife and three daughters at the time. Now we have four daughters. And uh, starting a pra practice in a pandemic is something I, I don't recommend most people do, uh, but if you happen to do that, God, he will certainly provide for you. And uh, you, need, you need to be surrounded by a good team. Uh, the first thing you need are mentors who know you and who know the Lord and are going to kind of give you some good wisdom. Uh, like my dad did. Also, I've got a, a good friend here who um, he's a, been a mentor to me since I've been in high school and he's an endodontist in town. Uh, you also need a good lawyer, banker, accountant. 
um, and then uh, putting the pieces together for a good team of uh, workers in the office. You need an office manager that you can trust who's experienced, uh, uh, front office secretary, you need medical assistants in my case, as well as a histotechnician who runs my lab. And, and uh, it's amazing to see how God brought all these pieces together uh, over several months uh, in the middle of a pandemic. And um, I'm not gonna go through all those details because it, we don't have time for that. Um, but I do know that God is faithful. And, uh, and, and there's a lot of uh, different nuts and bolts to starting a practice. The team is just one component. Uh, you also need um, uh, uh, office space that uh, meets, your, meets your needs. Um, uh, you need uh, to learn leadership. I, I didn't know what it was like to uh, be a, an employer. Um, how do you treat your staff? How do you deal with conflict? Personnel management. Uh, these were all things that um, I've, I've been learning. And by God's grace, uh, I've been um, getting better at it. Uh, one thing also that I realized is uh, in private practice, uh, there's a lot of gray, a lot of gray zone, uh, areas in which uh, um, greed can become uh, uh, an enemy for sure. And I've seen it take down several positions, prominent positions who, uh, who I know and who, um, uh, who uh, they have just gotten caught up with the financial component of medicine. And it's easy to do because just over one year of having a practice, I've already seen how it's so easy to do that. Uh, if, if billing is not done with integrity, if there's uh, things that you do in terms of uh, procedures, that are necessary or not necessary, or if it's just on the fence, you know, if we do things, um, the right thing when no one's looking, then we know we're, uh, you know, doing uh, things of integrity. Uh, and um, so uh, during this last year, it has been a tremendous blessing to uh, incorporate spirituality into my practice. And it, I've definitely taken advantage of the autonomy that I've had um, by owning this practice. Um, and uh, initially I, I wanted to, uh, try and systematize it as much as I could, because I didn't want to miss an opportunity to pray with a patient. Uh, but also I wanted to, um, uh, still, uh, keep that sense of, uh, patient, um, uh, decision. Like they, they don't have any, uh, pressure uh, on prayer or not. And so I, I ended up making it. So on the review systems for all of my patients with, uh, um, when they come into the office, there's a question on there about prayer. And I just say, uh, we strive for whole person uh, care. Is there anything in particular you would like prayer for? Uh, and then they can put on there yes or no. Uh, and, and that just kind of gives me a heads up before I go in the room whether or not they want prayer. Um, and it's been really amazing because I'm seeing more patients and I'm busier than I've ever been, but I'm praying with more patients than I ever have. And I've had so many meaningful uh, conversations. And I'll tell you, there's not much that will bring a patient and a doctor closer together than having a spiritual connection. And so um, it's something that the patients have automatic um, trust in when you pray over them. And, uh, and honestly, too, there's a lot of uh, disorders that we see, whether in dermatology or any field, that we're, there, we don't really have great treatments for. And so uh, prayer is a, a wonderful um, way to address the uh, unmet uh, needs of that patient, not only uh, spiritually, but also physically. Because um, I do believe that God heals um, our patients and he uses us as agents for that. And uh, so um, let me go back to my screen here. Uh, right. 
So spirituality and practice, we've got about 10 minutes left. And uh, there's a lot of different ways uh, to incorporate prayer. We think of prayer as the main mechanism for which we um, uh, have spiritual encounters with our patients and certainly is uh, probably the most um, identifiable um, one. But there are other ways, uh, like in in, in my setting here, I, I play music that is uh, um, some soft background, uh, whether it be instrumental hymns or instrumental Christian music. And uh, the, um, the patients really uh, like that. And it seems to be a good addition to what, what, we're, what we're doing. Uh, also, um, I, can't, I can't say this enough, but even, even though I'm um, putting check boxes on our review of systems, about prayer. Um, if I, if I do all the right things, but I don't have the Holy spirit, this is all, um, uh, not going to be near as impactful and it'll, uh, won't have the, um, uh, the real, it won't meet the need of the patient and I'll also miss opportunities. Uh, and so, so I, I, I would encourage all of you to pray most importantly for the Holy spirit each day, because he will, um, will guide you into who, which patient, which patient needs prayer uh, um, and, uh, and which patient doesn't, because uh, I think that prayer shouldn't be um, necessarily offered for every patient. Uh, and there are um, other opportunities too, like prayer cards that you can put in your, um, uh, in your lobby. And those could be as simple as, uh, hey, you know, uh, we love to pray for our patients. Is there anything we can pray for? A prayer request card, whatever. Uh, but I think it's also really great um, to create a culture of, of um, openness towards um, prayer and spiritual things by praying with uh, not only your patients, but also with your staff and praying for your patients with your staff. Uh, and in fact, we just had um, a, a few weeks ago, I remember uh, one of my staff uh, came to me and s said that her um grandfather just been put in the hospital it was the middle of the clinic and I could see she was disturbed about it and I said hey can we just pray for your grandfather right now and we did and I could see she was visibly um, more peace at peace because of that and so it doesn't take much time but even um, doing things like that in the middle of a busy clinic day uh, keeps our, our posture right towards the Lord and towards uh, why we exist and why we are here um, it is easy in, a, in, a, in the middle of a busy clinic day to kind of uh, get sidetracked and let those things um, fall by the wayside. But um, with God's help and the Holy Spirit, we won't miss those opportunities. And um, so I want to talk uh, a little bit more here. I'm going to share my screen on taking risk. Taking risk is something that some people are more apt to do and some are less apt to do. Uh, and if you think about it, Christ, he was an all-in kind of guy. Uh, he risked everything for you and for me. And, and he called his disciples to do the same thing. And so uh, I want to be the guy who is risking everything as well. And so when, because uh, along the way, a, a lot of these decisions that I've made to do, like I, I, I plan on doing nursing anesthesia initially, but I felt God calling me to mess, medicine. That was a much more difficult uh, road. And I knew that um, that would require a lot more um, uh, challenge. We'd have a lot more challenges along the way, uh, but God used that to, to shape my character. And because he knew I needed it to stay connected to him, because if I could do it on my own, then why do I need him? And so I was, I was constantly being uh, placed in and placing myself in 
positions where I couldn't do it on my own and I needed him. And so when should we be in those situations? I feel like that's where God's wisdom comes into play. The discernment that he gives us allows us to be able to choose what's best. And, and sometimes you may have multiple options and there's not necessarily a wrong choice. Uh, it just may be that one is slightly better than the other and God will help you know what that is. So with Christ's soon return, and I know with the uh, conference's um, theme of while it is day, it's, it's something that has been on my mind since I was a child thinking, okay, well, if, if Christ is coming very soon, then why should I do this? Or, or why should I do that? Or, you know, when I was thinking about doing medicine, why should I waste 10 years of going to medical school uh, before I start doing his work? And I remember the Lord said, hey, you don't, you don't just wait until you're done doing something before you start my work. My work is along the whole process. Uh, and the same, the same kind of um, perspective about starting a practice or a business. We don't know when the Lord's coming is, um, and, uh, or the same question about having children. Uh, should I have more or less? Should I have none? Um, again, um, we don't know. And the way I've uh, kind of um, uh, approached this uh, question in my mind is uh, that I make decisions as if Christ is not coming in my lifetime, but living each day as if he's coming tomorrow. And that way, it makes sure that my heart is aligned with the Lord each day. Uh, and yet, um, I'm also making the right decisions that will make uh, a long-lasting impact on me, my children, and my children's children, um, if the Lord does not come in my lifetime. And, you know, and with the current um, uh, scene of events in our world today, it's hard to think he won't come in, in my lifetime, but I know there's been generations before me that have thought the same thing. And I don't want to miss opportunities, reaching people for the Lord and going big, going all in with risk, um, knowing that uh, um, God can use me to do more if I'm actively pursuing things that will put me out of my comfort zone, that will uh, make me rely on him more because that's where my faith will strengthen. And that's where he can really shine because if, I'm only doing things that I can do, then I'm really limiting what he can do through me. And so um, uh, I always am reminded that uh, God is after character more than comfort. And that's how he's able to do a lot of those things. Um, there's, uh, there's just a couple more minutes left. And I wanted to um, share uh, a slide about just general tips, because I don't know if there's trainees in there. I, I'm, I'm, I wish I was there in person. I really do. Um, because I could uh, talk to people afterwards and I'd be able to uh, get a better sense of um, uh, the, the, the whole audience and, and what the makeup is, whether we're um, all uh, seasoned attendings, whether we're all trainees, I don't know. But um, there are some things that I found very helpful over uh, my training and uh, as an early physician. Um, and, and the most important thing to me is that early talk time with the Lord. And I do a lot of journaling just because not only is it effective in helping me keep my mind um, focused during my time with God. So it's not wandering, but also it's a fantastic record of how God has worked in the past. And so when I'm going through a challenging time, uh, it is easy for me to reflect back literally the pages of my, uh, uh, journal and see that a year or two years ago, I was in the exact same, uh, um, 
situation or feeling. And I can see God's faithfulness at that time. And it just fills me with encouragement and, and love for him. And sometimes you'll look back and you'll read pages of, that you've written and you're filled with awe of God and his mercy and how he's able to work through you uh, despite um, your uh, inabilities. And to see, uh, to see that really is, is a wonderful thing to, to deepen your relationship. So I can't really uh, um, talk high enough about journaling. Another thing is carrying scripture. I have a like little three by five card. I've done this since I was a kid. And um, uh, maybe for the day or for the week, I'll carry this around. And, and rather than whipping out my phone to do something, um, I'll, I can uh, take out this little three by five with a, a scripture verse or two on it. And it just helps me to be reminded of, of what matters. And and it's easy to get super sidetracked and distracted during the day by everything that needs to be done. Having scripture in your pocket is just an easy way to keep you grounded in what matters. Um, follow through is critical to be successful in life, uh, especially when you're busy and have a lot of responsibilities. I use a uh, task management system called TickTick, which I think is free and that's helpful. Um, and then uh, financial freedom, um, being organized with your finances is really important. Um, and YNAB or You Need a Budget is a great app for that. Um, Obviously, sleep and healthy food is something that we all need. You know how much you need, and so uh, and you know what's healthy and what's not. So just make sure to do what your body needs, and you'll be able to think and um, to uh, act more clearly. Um, protecting white space is something that we have to be very intentional about in our culture. Uh, and in order to um, hear God's voice, you need to minimize the noise. And this kind of goes back to what I talked about earlier when I was in the Philippines in that quiet setting. Uh, and, and learning how valuable it is um, to not only literally be in a quiet place, but also to uh, have um, um, less noise in your brain from all the distractions uh, that could be around us, uh, in, in particular, um, uh, various media uh, avenues, TV, movies, music, uh, social media news, things like that. Um, and, uh, and I found it very helpful, actually, um, to put away the cell phone at Sabbath, unless you're on call or something. Um, and that way you can uh, really allow yourself to have some uh, um, restful time because the, we're, we're tied to our phone a lot. Um, and of course, you got to learn to say no. If you say yes to everything, you're not going to be able to have any white space um, and delegate. Um, on the right are just a list of various resources, books and things that um, can further your walk with God. And, uh, and so those are some of the practical tips I, I hope um, you find helpful. And I included it that way. If anyone wants to reference this PowerPoint um, down the road, they can see those things. Um, it is 820. I know we started a little later, but I want to make sure we end on time. And I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today, even though I'm not there in person. Um, uh, I, I'm there uh, as, as much as I can be uh, via Zoom. And so uh, I, I will pray for you as uh, you leave this place that uh, uh, you will have a good Sabbath uh, over the next 24 hours. And that I pray that you also take um, with you some of the uh, key points that I've, I've made in this presentation, um, in particular about how if God is calling you to do something that seems like more than you can do, then uh, that's the right thing. Because if it's something that you can do, then that's not, uh, then that's not enough because God wants you to do what you actually can't do by yourself because then you're in a position where you're relying on him. Your relationship will grow and, uh, and, and you have deeper uh, faith in him. Let's have a quick word of prayer and then I'll let you all go. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for your Sabbath and thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to these uh, dear people from afar. Uh, please bless them in their um, individual lives and their practices as they see patients, as they study for exams, uh, as they finish training. 
And uh, I ask that you will um, give them wisdom, help them to make decisions that honor you and help them to make decisions that place them in a, a place of discomfort uh, so that they know that they're in the right place because they're going to be relying on you and growing their character. Uh, thank you so much for hearing our prayer. We love you. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.